SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. This hour, we'll continue with some of those games we've been playing for the last few weeks. We're going to go through college mm. football in the futures market, the NFL futures market. There's so many different ways you can go and get an edge, so many unique markets, and I'm really excited that we'll get to break it all down with you guys. Also, let's start with Major League Baseball because yesterday we could have seen history. It just didn't happen yet. Miguel Cabrera is just one home run away from joining the 500 club. In fact, he is hitting 307 right now. Miguel Cabrera since June 1st, hitting 307, an 863 OPS versus lefties, and uh, eight home runs, 33 RBIs, 30 runs, and 214 plate appearances. He hit number 499 last night against the Orioles. Could happen tonight or this weekend at home versus Cleveland. Now, for me, I just like for these records to be broken in a player's home park, especially when you're Miguel Cabrera, who's been with the Detroit Tigers for so many years. I would love to see him do it at home, Ben. I agree with you. I want it to be in Comerica, too, in the Motor City. But that being said, Baltimore and Camden Yards might be a great place for Miggy to take advantage of to do it right now for Miggy to hit a home run tonight on the FanDuel Sportsbook is plus 410. He is facing off in Baltimore against John Means and the Orioles this evening. Now, that being said, as we know, Ariel, Camden Yards is home to the second most overs of any home ballpark all season long. Nearly 63.5% of the games played in Baltimore hit to the over. So if there was ever going to be a time to display power and to score a ton of runs and you get your 500th home run, Miguel Cabrera might be able to take advantage of that in Camden Yards this evening as he did yesterday, facing off against John Means, plus 410 right now for Miggy to hit a home run tonight, which would be the 500th of his career, joining that 500 home run club. Illustrious uh, category there, an illustrious company for Miguel Cabrera. It was amazing. Last night I was watching MLB Network. I saw, I was, I forget which game MLB Network was on. They interrupted the broadcast for the, it was Jonathan Scope that was at the plate for the Tigers. They interrupted the broadcast to make sure that they jumped in an at bat earlier than Mickey Cabrera so that you didn't miss it. It's just one of those huge things. I just remember watching Alex Rodriguez in a Yankees uniform going for all these home run titles. And to be able to hit then join the 500 club, it's going to be so exciting. And I saw that our friend here at the program, Annie Agar, she was able to put down one of the numbers. They have a count at Comerica where you could go and they have like a countdown to 500 for Mickey Cabrera. It'll be really cool to watch a player who's just been in the league for so long and he's well-respected among so many players. Now the Cincinnati Reds are going back in time because the big red machine was something that was historic back in the, uh, back in the day in baseball. And looking at this Reds team, They've been hitting at an unbelievable rate. They are the only team in baseball to have three players with an OPS over 900. Joey Votto, mm. Jesse Winker, and Nick Castellanos. Being able to go back in time to the Big Red Machine, Ben, 
it's pretty cool to see that this Reds team is heating up despite them being so many games back in the Central. Yeah, unfortunately, eight games back in the Central. Now four and a half games back of that second and final NL wildcard spot. They started this week only two and a half back of the San Diego Padres, but it's not due to a lack of offense and mainly coming off the bat of Joey Bats himself, Joey Votto, who is on an absolute tear right now. 14 home runs in 24 games since the All-Star break for Joey Votto. He entered the All-Star break, Ariel, with only 11 home runs this year. He is now up to 25. That is second most in the National League, only trailing Fernando Tatis Jr. So Joey Votto and his bat doing all he can to will the Reds to the playoffs, but two straight losses against the Atlanta Braves. The Braves walking off in the 10th yesterday against the Reds as we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after just getting underway. It's Ben Stevens in Ariel Epstein. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. Speaking of the West Coast, the San Diego Padres hold a four and a half game lead for that second and final NL wildcard spot over the Reds. But Ariel, it's not due to a lack of offense from Joey Votto, from Jesse Winker, from Nick Castellanos. And again, Joey Votto, 14 home runs in 24 games since the All-Star break. He is absolutely just launching the ball all over the yard and out of the yard for the Cincinnati Reds at the moment. Looking at the National League MVP race, you don't even have a Reds player up there until Nick Castellanos with the sixth highest odds at 48 to 1, or six shortest odds, excuse me, at 48 to 1. Then Joey Votto is at 55 to 1. Of course, this has to do with the Reds not having success as a team. However, the Reds have been successful offensively. They have the second highest OPS on the road this season and in the last 30 days. Unfortunately, another situation where I bet on the Reds team total over, and that was the one game it just didn't hit in. But you know what? This is the way that my week has been going in Major League Baseball. The Reds are a team that you should play to the over when they're on the road. They've been they've had hot bats all year and Ben looking at what Joey Votto has been able to do just looking at some of these names I mean this this year has been about some of these older veterans who have continued to just be sluggers Joey Votto Miguel Cabrera and then you have the entire San Francisco Giants team which should have been out of the league according to fans about five years ago it's amazing what a lot of these veterans have been doing this year I mean, Joey Votto is providing a huge spark for this Reds offense. Miguel Cabrera, one home run shy of joining the 500 home run club. You talk about those Giants. The veteran presence is really what has them at this point. Buster Posey back from injury. Brandon Belt. Brandon Crawford all of a sudden is a home run hitter up in the Bay. So these veterans, huge this year in Major League Baseball. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a bunch of non-veterans, college football. We've got college football in action uh, in the next few weeks, and we're going to try to give you the edge in the futures market. We're going to play a fun match betting game. So you're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to go through more of these match betting where we're going to take 
the best team or one of the best teams in a conference for college football and match it up with two combined win totals for two of the lesser teams in those conferences. For example, Oklahoma sitting at 11 wins for their win total. Iowa State, 9.5. Kansas, 1.5. If you take Iowa State plus Kansas for 9.5 plus 1.5, so 11, is Oklahoma going to have more wins than Iowa State and Kansas combined, Ben? Now, here's the very interesting thing about this first match bet, because when we did this with the Big Ten yesterday, it was the top team in whatever division against the two bottom teams in said division, the Big Ten East and then the Big Ten West, and that's how we did it. The Big 12 does not have any divisions, just 10 teams at the moment that play for those top two spots to play in the Big 12 title game, and we are taking Oklahoma, the top team in the Big 12 conference, with 11 wins as their win total against the second most wins in that conference for a win total in Iowa State with nine and a half with Kansas, who has a win total of one and a half. And let's examine the juice here to begin. Oklahoma, the over and the under is even, minus 110 on both sides. Same for Iowa State. Kansas's win total of one and a half, Ariel, guess where the juice is? Guess. Guess what the under is. I'll just tell you it's the under has the juice, but guess what that number is? Minus 160. Very close. Minus 190. The FanDuel Sportsbook has set a Power 5 football program's team win total at one and a half, and the under is juiced to nearly $2. That is insane when you think about it, but it makes sense. So let's first look at Kansas, because to get to over one and a half is what they'll need to beat Oklahoma here, even paired with Iowa State. I think is going to be very difficult. The two most winnable games for them for the Kansas Jayhawks come early on in the year in the non-conference slate. They have South Dakota, who is an FCS team, and Duke, who plays in the ACC. Now, Duke is not going to be good, but Duke will still beat Kansas. Duke's team win total is three and a half. South Dakota is an FCS team. You would expect Kansas to win that game, but Sodak in 2019 was a five-win FCS team. I'm not so certain that's a win for the Kansas Jayhawks. So we say Kansas is firmly at one. They have one win this year, and it might be South Dakota because I don't see them getting another win. So it makes sense the under of one and a half is juiced at minus 190. Now let's go to the Cyclones. Last year for Iowa State was the first year in program history they have ever had nine wins. You look at what Iowa State has this year. They have Iowa in that Cyhawk Trophy game week number two. Iowa will be a top 15, top 20 team at that time. Versus the middle of the Big 10, or Big 12, excuse me, Iowa State, all their most important games come at home at Jack Trice Stadium. They have Oklahoma State, Texas and TCU all at home in Ames, Iowa. That is a benefit. They go on the road at West Virginia and at Oklahoma. So I think for Iowa State, there's nine wins potentially able to go over nine and a half and get 10. But until I see them repeatedly have nine wins in back-to-back seasons, I have to say it's right around that ballpark of nine or 10 wins. I'm going to say it's nine. So that would give them 10. Now, Oklahoma's team win total is 11. I look at what Oklahoma has this year. They have a couple of non-conference tests. I guess you can say they have Nebraska, but really they should be unbeaten in the non-conference. That's a perfect 3-0. And I think even against teams like the Cyclones, Oklahoma will be at least a touchdown favorite in every Big 12 conference game they play this year. So I'm going to say that Oklahoma wins 11 games at least, a push of their team win total. It's tough to have a team go unbeaten throughout a 12-game regular season. Oklahoma has lost at least one game in a regular season slate dating back to 2014 
So you have to think that there's one loss there, but even at 11, I think the Sooners go over what Iowa State and Kansas could have together because I think that's 10. So I pick Oklahoma in this match bet that we have made up here for combined team win totals. I like it. Oklahoma has the best quarterback in the conference and Spencer Rattler up there for the Heisman Trophy Award. Iowa State has to play at Oklahoma towards the end of the season, second to last game. And that game against Mm. Iowa, this team in Iowa State hasn't beaten Iowa the last two times that they faced them. They lost both of those games outright. We'll see if the if the hawk uh, excuse me if iowa state could end up keeping this game close but mm, otherwise i could see oklahoma having more wins this year and of course they're going to want to make that college football playoff push too texas seven and a half wins versus tcu seven and a half wins these two pretty even ben why is this win total even between tcu and texas Well, we are calling this the Texas two-step because we are having a little bit of fun here. But these both of these teams in Texas have the same team win total. They also have the same exact odds when you look at winning the Big 12 championship at 12 to 1, even to reach the Big 12 title game at 4 to 1. So TCU and Texas, very similar in how the book is booking them heading into this 2021 college football and Big 12 season. But the juice on the team win totals is vastly different. Texas is at seven and a half. The over is minus 165. For TCU, it's even both ways. Minus 110 to the over and the under. So the book is saying we expect Texas to very easily go over their team win total of seven and a half. TCU, more of a toss-up. So let's start with Texas. A very hard start to the year in their non-conference slate. They have Louisiana, who will be a top 25 team, and then an SEC foe in Arkansas. So I think those games will decide the total for Texas so far this year and both of those games coming on the road. Then you look at what what Texas has to do in the Big 12 Conference. They are on the road at TCU, on the road at Iowa State, on the road at West Virginia. That is really a very tough thing when you're going against the middle of the pack in the Big 12, teams you are trying to take a step over in all of your toughest tests come on the road at TCU, at Iowa State, at West Virginia. I think Texas does go over their team win total. I think they win eight. I think they really can be a nine-win team. They are my sleeper to win the Big 12 Conference because of that offense under Steve Sarkeesian with Casey Thompson and B. John Robinson. So at 12-1, to I think they have great value to win the Big 12. I think they go over that team win total. Now, when you look at TCU, they have an easier non-conference slate. I think they go 3-0 in the non-con, but then what they do in the Big 12 portion of their schedule will really dictate how they do around that team win total. I think they hover right around that 75 Seven, potentially going over to eight wins. But I think Texas can be a nine-win team. So I give the edge to the Longhorns here over the Horn Frogs. Also, a shout-out to TCU starting quarterback Max Duggan, a guy I covered when he was in high school at Lewis Central in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Look for him to take a huge step this year at the helm of that TCU offense. He will be a name to know in Big 12 football this upcoming season. You have two head coaches, though, that are – you've got Gary Patterson, who's been at TCU for 21 years, and then you have a Texas coach in Steve Sarkeesian, who's in his first season. How much could you see a first season under a new head coach being being a factor in a win total? Certainly can be, but I actually think that Steve Sarkeesian's impact on that win total makes it better for Texas, puts them over that number of seven and a half around eight or nine wins because of how explosive that offense can be under one of the best offensive minds in all of college football in Steve Sarkeesian. He held that Alabama team obviously last year and led them to be the second best scoring offense in the country, regularly putting up over 45, 47, 48 points 
per game. I think Texas's offense, given the pieces they have, and Casey Thompson at quarterback, and Bijan Robinson, who is a Heisman favorite, the shortest odds of any Heisman favorite right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook, who is not playing quarterback, I think those pieces for that Longhorns offense can be explosive this year. So I look at Steve Sarkeesian as a benefit to that team win total. Gary Patterson is a great head coach in the Big 12 who relies on that defense. The Horn Frogs defense should be very good this year. And I think the offense takes a step. They will hover around the seven and a half. I don't think they go lower than seven or over eight. So that's why I think Texas has the potential of winning this match bet, the Texas two-step we have created. I like it, seeing a projection of just over eight wins for this Texas team also, and just about that seven and a half mark for TCU, according to some of the reports and analysis that some of these magazines that everyone should take a look at, by the way, for any of your refreshers. But a lot of these magazines have Texas at just over eight, and then you have TCU at seven and a half. So the numbers are pretty spot on. And Ben saying Oklahoma with 11 wins, going to have more than Iowa State and Kansas combined. And Texas going to have more wins than TCU at the end of the season. Coming up next, we're going to do more match betting, but we're switching things over to the NFL. We're going to talk about a props market that's pretty funny, actually, to think about who you're going to place your money on for this specific one. So stay here on the grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Make sure to follow along with us on social media. You can go to our Twitter pages. It's Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV. We're going to give you the edge. There's always content being posted. We've got picks, analysis, update on odds, and as we get closer to the football season, injury updates as well. So follow us at Sports Grid and at Sports Grid TV. Ben and I are going to go through some of these NFL futures bets, and it's pretty funny. I love the one that Ben decided to choose today. It's the interceptions props, the season-long interceptions. You can place a bet on who's going to have the most interceptions by the end of the regular season of all the quarterbacks. We're going to compare. Instead of just saying, oh, this is the one that we're going to bet, we're going to go head-to-head. We're setting up two quarterbacks next to each other in a match bet, seeing which quarterback is going to end up with more interceptions at the end of the season. The first match bet, bet, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Washington football team, who's at plus 460, versus the Steelers quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, at 6-1. Ben, who would you say is going to have more interceptions at the end of the regular season, the man with your first name or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Look at that graphic right there. Shout out to our graphics producer, Jesse, for fitting Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ben Roethlisberger on the same graphic and no, making he didn't. it look good. You didn't put the first names. Come on. He's he, cheating He's got to do what he's got to do, though. I mean, listen, I still think it looks like a very fantastic graphic. Jesse, always doing great work. But it's very difficult to decipher between these two when you look at interceptions this year. You have the two favorites, obviously, on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now are favorites to win the worst award that you could win. I don't really know. Plus 460 for Fitz, plus 600 for Big Ben. 
Let's start with Big Ben because we have a bigger sample size based off last year. Tied fourth most in the league last year with 14 interceptions thrown. He has had double-digit interceptions in the last seven full seasons he has played in the NFL. In those seven full seasons, he is averaging 14.7 interceptions. And in four straight years, he had 15 or more INTs from 2016 through 2019. Now, when you look at Fitzmagic, he only threw, threw, he only threw eight interceptions last year in just nine games played. 13 in 15 games two years ago in 2019. In the last three years that Ryan Fitzpatrick has played 14 or more games in the NFL, he has thrown 13 interceptions, 17 picks, 15 interceptions. So you really have a toss-up here. I think because the Pittsburgh Steelers might have a better offense and could be looking to throw the ball more, I'm going to pick Ben Roethlisberger to have more interceptions in this match bet. But it's a very close one between Fitzmagic and Big Ben. The reason that I'm leaning more Fitzpatrick, which doesn't help from a value perspective because Fitz does have shorter odds, Fitzpatrick doesn't always play as many games as Big Ben. Fitzpatrick was playing eight games last year. That's why I'm not even using last year. What I did was I took all the years that Fitzpatrick played at least 10 games. And when playing at least 10 games, Fitz is averaging just under 14 interceptions per season. Big Ben, on his full career, because he does usually play aside for two, not last year, the year prior when he uh, missed the whole, oh, what, the second game of the year was when he had the injury to his elbow. Otherwise, Big Ben has played at least 10 games for all of his career. So in his career, minus that two-game season two years ago, Big Ben's averaging just under 13 interceptions per season, whereas you have Fitz, who's about an interception more than Big Ben is on his career. Fitz likely is going to play for more than 10 games this year, Ben. Last year, it was anticipated that Tua Tungavello was going to take over in Miami for Fitz. They wanted to. He was a first-round pick. This year, there's no one else on the depth chart in Washington that makes me think that Fitz is going to get replaced, or at least that there's going to be a, a rush to replace him. It's Taylor Heineke who's going to be the second quarterback on the depth chart at least for now that's why i'm gonna say ryan fitzpatrick is gonna have more interceptions than big ben he averages more across his career if he plays that's pretty much the handicap is fitzpatrick going to play more games this year than he usually does and i would say yes he will speaking of Tua tunga by loa match bet with carson wentz Tua plus 950 to throw the most interceptions this year wentz is at 10 to 1 so they're pretty closely matched ben to me this whole handicap how many games is Carson Wentz even going to play? If Wentz is going to play majority of the snaps this year, then okay, you have a shot. If Wentz doesn't play that many games, the irony here is he can't throw as many interceptions. Well, if you look at the injury right now to the foot, it's very good vibes all around Indianapolis Colts training camp. They expect Carson Wentz, at least the latest reports have said, to be ready to go week number one. So when you look at Carson Wentz, who tied for the most interceptions thrown last year in the NFL in 2020 with 15. He was tied with Tom Brady, by the way, for 15 interceptions thrown. He also had the fourth most per game at nearly one in a quarter, 1.25 interceptions thrown per game last year. And although Carson Wentz has the longer odds here at 10 to one, 
I think it's Carson Wentz. If he does play this year and he avoids any more injuries and they expect him to be the week one starter, I think Carson Wentz wins this rather easily because when you look at Tua Tungavailoa, he only threw five interceptions last year in his rookie campaign. It was 10 games, only five interceptions. I know he struggled, but he wasn't necessarily turning the ball over, at least throwing it through the air. And then when you look at his time in college in 32 games, Tua barely turned the ball over, only 11 interceptions total in 32 games in his Alabama career. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz has been turning the ball over a ton, 15 interceptions last year in 2020. So I know Tua has these shorter odds, but I think Carson actually is going to be the one out of this match bet we have made up here to throw more interceptions this season, depending on health. But again, if they expect him to be ready by week one or maybe even week two, I think Carson Wentz throws more interceptions than Tua Tungavailoa. Mm, Tua, five interceptions in 10 games last year, Wentz averaging about 10 interceptions per season in at least 11 games played per year. I just get concerned about how many games Wentz is going to play. At least Tua also doesn't have to worry about trying to get replaced and put back in with Ryan Fitzpatrick and switching back and forth. You'd hope that this team gains a little bit more consistency, but five interceptions in 10 games last year, averaging about two interceptions per game. It's hard to get a good sample size on someone that really didn't have such a large sample size throughout his career. Same guy here, Jalen Hurts. Really tough. Ben, when you put this in the rundown, I was kind of annoyed at you. I was saying, come on, how are we supposed to know this? How are we supposed to know what Jalen Hurts is going to do? Do we even know that Jalen Hurts is going to be playing the whole season? Is there going to be some kind of last-minute acquisition of Deshaun Watson in Philly, and then this all gets thrown for a loop? Or are we really sitting here with Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback for the Eagles all year? 12-1 to for him, and then Wilson is at 12-1 to as well. So who are you going with here? Who's going to have more, Hurts or Wilson, 12-1? to Well, I put it in, Ariel, for two reasons. One, we might see Jalen Hurts tonight for a little bit in the Eagles preseason opener against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it was very timely to have Jalen Hurts as a part of this graphic. Also because Jalen Hurts and Zach Wilson have the same odds, two very young quarterbacks, Zach Wilson, a rookie, Jalen Hurts in his second year with the same odds. And I think there is an edge to be had in this match bet we made up. And I think there might be an edge on a certain Zach Wilson to lead the NFL in interceptions thrown this year. Both of them at 12 to one right now. First, looking at Jalen Hurts, only four interceptions last season in 148 passing attempts. That's .03 per attempt. That's a very, very small number, meaning Jalen Hurts takes care of the football. 11 interceptions in his final three years of college at Alabama and at Oklahoma. Again, not turning the ball over at a very prolific rate. Zach Wilson, all we have is his BYU collegiate stats. And last year, he was incredible. 33 touchdowns for the Cougars to only three interceptions. And so you can't necessarily say that Zach Wilson was turnover prone at the collegiate level. But I think this year, when you look at how things will go for the New York Jets versus the Philadelphia Eagles, I still expect the Eagles to ride with Jalen Hurts throughout the majority of this season. I don't think a Deshaun Watson deal is going to get done anytime soon. That's just my hunch. I could be wrong. But I think Jalen Hurts is not going to turn the ball over as much as Zach Wilson will this year throwing interceptions. So in this match bet, I would give the edge to Zach Wilson. Also, if you're looking at the market and looking to sprinkle a little bit on the value, maybe it's on the rookie quarterback for the Jets at 12-1. to 
I've seen some people posting about this, that Zach Wilson could have the most interceptions. If the offensive line can't protect him, then yeah. This also bodes well for my under for passing yards prop for Zach Wilson on the season. Said that his total was too high. The total on the FanDuel Sportsbook is a number Sam Darnold couldn't hit for his three years in a Jets uniform. Wilson never even went over his passing yards prop in his college career. It could help if he's throwing some picks, too. Oh, I'm so sorry for the Jets. We just keep raking on the Jets, those poor yeah. fans. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, when it's a mobile quarterback, it, it, I struggle sometimes to think, is a mobile quarterback going to be someone that's going to throw the ball more? I mean, throw more interceptions? Or is he going to be able to save himself by running with the ball more, whereas Zach Wilson's more really a pocket-passing quarterback? Mm-hmm. Ben, what do you think? I mean, it's a good point, right? If Jalen Hurts gets into trouble and he's able to break out of the pocket and extend plays with his legs, then you would think maybe he's not forcing a throw in there that he otherwise should not have. Zach Wilson does have some of that mobility, but again, more so seen as a pocket-passing quarterback who can break the pocket to extend plays but then looks to throw the ball downfield, similarly to a guy like Patrick Mahomes. At least that was the comparison with Mormon Mahomes playing at BYU, all that good stuff. I will not say that Zach Wilson is anywhere near Patrick Mahomes. You will not hear me say or utter those words. So it's not a bad idea that in Nick Sirianni's offense that really opens things up for the Philadelphia Eagles that they will incorporate some of that dual threat nature of Jalen Hurts. It is the new style of NFL quarterbacking. It is what makes Jalen Hurts play at his best. So I, again, think that Zach Wilson has the edge in this market. By the way, I mentioned Carson Wentz tied with Tom Brady for the most interceptions thrown last year with 15 INTs thrown. If you're looking for Tom in this market, plus 3,800 to throw the most interceptions this year. That is way down to the bottom of this list. 15 interceptions last year for TV 12 in Tampa Bay. That's interesting. Curious what the thought process was there. Aside for maybe new team was last year. They feel he's more comfortable this year. I also would look to a lot of the quarterbacks that don't have a run game. Look, Tom Brady last year, not really establishing a run game. The Steelers didn't really establish a run game. Those are the other quarterbacks that you look towards in this market as well. Coming up next, Ryan Williams from FanDuel to break down the NFL futures market. Look, you have a simple choice. Keep listening and get the winning edge or don't. And wish you had. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Time to welcome in Vandal's own Ryan Williams to break down tonight's preseason matchups. Ryan, we already spoke about this in the last few weeks. We said preseason's approaching. How much are you willing to bet on it? And you said that you are willing to bet preseason football. So here we are. What is the? What are the trends? What do you look at to help you handicap a game of so many uncertainties? People, can you believe it? We're talking about handicapping preseason games. But this is where money is it. meant to be made. This is where money is meant to be made. And, and there's a lot of sharks that, that are in, in in this realm. But I still think there's there's some ability to, to get over on the field. You know, wh- one thing that I like to look at is just coaches. 
um, who's had success. You know, you have you have your coaches who really don't care about the preseason. Your Bill Belichick's, um, ironically, Ron Rivera, who we'll talk about in a little bit. He he hasn't really cared about. But then you got guys like John Harbaugh, who's thirty-seven and twelve um in the preseason you know and has a really they're on the 17 game uh streak we'll talk about the ravens uh you got john gruden who people don't think about as being a successful coach but he takes the preseason seriously so there are things what you can look at with coaches um as well as quarterbacks is another thing that i like to look at like who's deep at quarterback we just saw last week in the hall of fame game steelers and dallas going against each other and like Dallas is not deep at quarterback. So, like, I felt like there was a lot of edge to be taking the Steelers there um, in that game. And uh, it paid off dividends. So, we definitely like to look at those two things when we're, when we're trying to break down preseason. Ryan, this might be the interview and segment I have been most looking forward to over the past two to three weeks. To have your expertise here to help us handicap some preseason games in week one getting underway tonight. When it comes to approaching a preseason handicap, do you first look at side or total, and what are you more likely to play? Yeah, I, I look at side, um, to, to be honest with you. I mean, the totals are, they, they've trended, actually, uh, in favor of the overs o- over the past couple of years. We didn't get preseason in 2020, but um, from 2015 to 2019, uh, the overs were favored, or they won. Uh, I believe like 56% of the time, 44, 35 and one there um, with the overs. So, and that just speaks to the, the football, right? Like that speaks to DFS, that speaks to offense, fantasy football, like points are being on the board. Things are favoring the offenses more, but in preseason, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to determine because it, you, we have things like last week where Mike Tomlin's running out the Steelers starters in a hall of fame game. Like who can predict that? And, that, and that's just crazy. You know, that could have really affected the over under um, if they were able to get, get some scores in. So uh, I don't like always talking about the over under. We do have a couple that, that I will talk about, but definitely the sides is where I like and getting over on the spreads because you do get some favorable lines. I feel like in preseason with, you with not too many people knowing what what's going to happen so if you're in tune with the beat writers if you're in tune what's going on in camp and you can see you know okay these guys are going to play a a series these guys are going to play two quarters these guys are are really you know fighting for a job i think that there's a lot of edge to get on the lines you mentioned no preseason last year there's a lot that's changed since 2019 one of those teams has had a new head coach for the last couple of years and that's the washington football team with their head coach ron rivera first year was last year with washington yet he hasn't had a preseason yet how do you take the trends from what rivera did in carolina and take them into what we may see for his first preseason as head coach of washington yeah, it's, it, it, that's that's a that's funny you bring it up, Ariel, because I was literally looking at this and I was like, man, can I actually talk about the Washington football team with all the woes that they've been going through, all the struggles and injuries uh, being favored tonight against uh, New England? But, uh, you know, Ron Rivera, like I said, he's he's been one to not take the preseason lightly. Um, he's already come out and talked about, you know, playing his starters um, well in. He wants to get the what does he call it, the basics, the fundamentals down with this group. And so when you hear things like that and you're looking at teams and how they, you know, really are invested in with him, you know, like you said, not having preseason last year and really having a young team, I really do feel like he will try and get this team, you know, right in the ship. And I had talked about taking the over on the Washington football team uh, of their wins this year. And so we definitely want to see some things clicking in preseason, uh, starting with this with this game tonight. 
Ryan, focusing on this game tonight against the New England Patriots, I know that you'd like Washington minus two, but we have seen line movement here in the past 20 minutes. Line movement for a preseason game. Now the football team only favored by a point against the Patriots tonight at Gillette Stadium in New England. Does that affect your thinking for this game at all? Yeah, I did. I did see that line move a little bit, Ben. Uh, you always got to be in tune, right? I always got to be in tune. I think the the line is moving there because Cam Newton is going to get reps tonight. We don't know how many. Um, of course, in in true Bill Belichick fashion, he's not letting uh, le- not letting things close off the chest even in preseason. But you're talking about a guy in Bill Belichick who's 28, 32, and four against the spread in preseason. Um, hasn't had too, too much success, but he had. You know, Brady was playing. Um, in some preseason games to start get, getting early. So if they feel like, you know, they want to get Cam going. But I th- like I said, on the other side, the starters for Washington are going to be playing. So if they have to go against that stout Washington defense, you know, for a full mm-hmm. quarter, that that's where I think there's there's an edge to take the, the Washington football team. And then you're going to have Mac Jones um, for probably a quarter and a half. I would imagine Brian Hoyer closing out the game. Potentially, there's no Jarrett Stidham for uh for the Patriots. So I think, you know, going a rookie quarterback as well, going in there, he could, you know, struggle early and uh, they could, they could hold on to that one point lead, but it, it is, uh, it is going to be interesting tonight for sure. Handles Ryan Williams joining us talking about the NFL preseason, two games on the slate tonight, Pittsburgh, Philly, the other game happening, Philly laying a point at home, the total 34 and a half. We just saw Pittsburgh play in the Hall of Fame game last week, beating up on Dallas. How do you see Pittsburgh either having an edge or being at a disadvantage because they played last week? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Ariel, to talk about. I, I really don't think – I think it's an advantage. I don't think it's a disadvantage, as people would think. I mean, you're talking about, the like we said, there's no preseason in 2020. This is the first football action that we're going to see from Philly. And Philly's been struggling mightily if you've been – paying attention to the beat reports coming out of there. I mean, Jalen Hurts has been, you know, talked about. There were rumors that they could be interested in Deshaun Watson coming in there. The wide receivers are banged up and not on the same page with the quarterback. So that's really why I'm leaning the Steelers here, you know, plus one. They did look uh, like a team that had, I want to say, has something to prove, but it's hard to say that in preseason. But again, you know, a team that started 11-0 last year and kind of fell off the rails towards the end, I think they really, you know, want to get going. And that's why Tomlin was playing the starters, uh, even in a Hall of Fame game last week. He wants to get them these early reps, and uh, he wants to, you know, have success. And he has been successful 32-23 and 23 in the preseason and going against a rookie head coach and a second-year quarterback with the starters being out there, I think that Steelers plus one is is the edge where you want to go there. So, Ryan, the two games tonight to start off week one of the NFL preseason, three games tomorrow night on Friday, and then a slew of games on Saturday, even one on Sunday. So where are you looking this weekend to mainly find that early edge in NFL preseason action? Yeah, the, the the games on on Friday are going to be interesting there with the Titans taking on the Falcons and Bills taking on the Lions. But I was really looking at Saturday. There was a lot of things sticking out to me. I, we can start with the Raiders and Seahawks going over. You know, Pete Carroll and, and John Gruden are both guys who are come into the preseason and they actually like to like to show things off, I guess, so to speak, to a certain regard. And I could see these offenses definitely putting up some points here. 
um, with, you know, question, questions on both sides of the defense on both teams. And you got a new coordinator there uh, in Shane Waldron coming over for the Rams to the Seahawks. I think he wants to kind of implement some of his concepts that have been said to be complex. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, but yeah, I think that game is is uh, skewed to go over their point total, I believe, at thirty six and a half. Um, and then also the under in Houston and Green Bay. I talked about, you know, the overs kind of trending in the right direction, but it's still preseason. You still get teams struggling. And look at these two teams' depth charts. I mean, Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers is not out there and we get Jordan Love, this team is going to struggle to put up points without the starters out there. And Houston, I don't even know what's going on with their depth chart. I mean, this is hilarious to look at some of the names that these guys are going to be rolling out there, and it will kind of be a game of sorts to kind of get them acclimated. We don't know how the new coach is going to going to view the starters. So it's, it's always tricky there um, to kind of, you know, to bank on and over under when you don't have that much information. But I do feel like this is a game that just screams under at 33 and a half. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be lucky to be like a 27 or a 17 to 10 type of outing. Houston has their fourth quarterback on their depth chart listed as Deshaun Watson. Interesting stuff. Now, the Baltimore Ravens are a team that Ryan continues to come on to this show, and he always tells me how great the Ravens are going to be this year. He's also laying the points with the Ravens to start the preseason. Ryan, we're going to try to start things off on a high note here with your Ravens hype train. Why are you laying the points with the Ravens against the Saints? Well, it it just comes down to, again, you know, just buying into the coaches. I mean, John Harbaugh has just showed us that this guy is going to be successful in the preseason. Not only they're on a 17 game winning streak in the preseason, which is absolutely just bananas. Like I had to look at this double. I had to double take this because I just couldn't believe it. Um, and, And just his numbers against the spread are phenomenal. He's 12 and one in preseason week ones uh, going on. So, I mean, when you have so much data like that, and again, you know, then you look at Sean Payton, who's seven and 14 in his past 21 games in the preseason as well. So, but I, you know, I will say with a caveat that I do like the depth at quarterback. And I know that in the pre-show, we were talking about Jameis and comeback player of the year, and Jameis is going to get a lot of run. So, I mean, you know, that's the other thing that you have to look at. The Ravens are very deep on defense, but Jameis could possibly put up some points in this game. So this might be a game where you're looking at the over-under, too, to kind of hedge your hedge your bet there uh, on the Ravens side. But I think the Ravens two and a half is, is definitely the way to go. All right, Ryan. So the two games tonight, WFT against the New England Patriots, the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Philadelphia Eagles. You have said you lean to Washington minus one and Pittsburgh plus one. Out of those two, what would you say is Ryan Williams' best bet for this first night of preseason action? (laughs) <laughs> let's let's go back to the let's go back to the Steelers. Um, we'll, we'll we'll go with the Steelers. We'll we'll take we'll take that plus one there. Uh, and granted that you know that with Philly struggles, I think you know maybe, maybe the Patriots do want to prove something. And with the line moving, you know that's definitely something you need to pay attention to on the mornings of. Uh, so maybe they'll run Cam Newton out there. But we I think we know more about um, the way that the Steelers and the Eagles teams are going to be played. And so with that knowledge, I'm going to go with the Steelers plus one as my bet of the night. All three Steelers quarterbacks that are going to play have NFL experience. Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, Josh Dobbs. They've all played at the NFL level before. They also all played last week. In addition to knowing what their head coach, Mike Tomlin, is going to do. They all have the same system. They've been under the system. Whereas for Philly, it's all new. 
how much is that going to impact them in their first game out there on the field? Ryan Williams from FanDuel, thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you again next week. Good luck to your bets. Thank you guys for having me. Coming up next, Ben and I are going to close out our number two here on the show. We're going to continue the conversation about quarterbacks, I think think let me double check this i think yeah we're going to continue the conversations about quarterbacks and we're going to find out when ben thinks that some quarterbacks in particular one and my friend chris thurston who may be listening right now he's not going to be so thrilled but you know what it's okay we're going to talk about a quarterback that he's going to be uh focused in on on week one but you're listening here on sirius xm channel 204 the sports grid network with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein closing out our number two here up next and we got you covered until noon eastern time so don't go anywhere stay on the grid sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com number two here on the morning after on sports grid it's sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein we're going to go now to our segment buy or sell buy or sell time ben the question is will the quarterback for the patriots mac jones be starting by week four Ooh, this is a very tricky one. All indications throughout Patriots training camp right now is this is a very open quarterback competition. And Mac Jones, the rookie out of Alabama, has performed very well. And people like Bill Belichick, Ernie Adams, Josh McDaniels have been very pleased by what they've seen out of their first round selection. However, that being said, I'm going to sell it because I think Cam Newton does something well early on in this New England Patriots season that I think Cam will be the starter unless injury comes up. Talent performance-wise, I think Cam can hold on to the starting quarterback position for the New England Patriots. But if Cam gets injured, like there has been some times in his past throughout his career, and now he is on the plus side of 30, then Mac will stay, will move in there. But if injury is taken out, I think Cam's ability will shine through this year. I will sell that Mac Jones will be the starter by week four. Injury thrown out the window. Mm. Yeah, as long as he starts week one, because that's the big bet on the table right now. Week one, Cam Newton, minus 180, baby. Let's go. After that, whatever happens, happens. This does hurt the win total, though, Ben. For me, I'm nervous to bet any win total for a team that's making a quarterback Mm. switch midway through the season. I do believe Mac Jones will start at some point this year. I don't understand how Cam Newton is all of a sudden going to be this the best quarterback for New England after last year. It was a mess. I could see Mac Jones starting at some point. By week four, seems a little early, but that's a really good line to set over under four and a half games for Mac Jones. Mm. I like the line. We do have to close out hour two, which means we sign off on MSG. Find out which platform works best for you by tuning into uh, sportsgrid.com. We're on multiple streaming services for hour three of our show. We're also on SiriusXM, channel 204, and the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. 
With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein, Hour 3, Happy Hour, up next.